running away from people now. 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporter's <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fonte was always soft. Can't win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito in relief, wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. What a miserable day outside. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg. What an uplifting way to start the show. Well, you can settle on in, uh, listen to us for the next two hours. That's a that's a good way for the time to pass. You don't want to be outside. Hopefully, hopefully we don't cause you to do anything on the road that, <laughs> that could get worse with the rain. Yeah, it's uh, it's nasty out there. I'm, I'm still drying off. Um, Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock today on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. we got a couple of guests lined up for you in hour number two. Ross Colton. Crunch Center set to join us at the top of hour number two. And then Steve Andrus from Radio.com Sports at 1.30 uh, to talk, what is it, week seven of the fantasy football yes. season? Can you believe it's week seven already? Are you a, are you a raincoat person or an umbrella person? Uh, I was neither, which is why I'm still drying off. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't necessarily mean today. I meant generally speaking. Uh, how long am I outside for? Am I watching my son play soccer? Then I'm then I'm an umbrella person. Okay. If oh, I'm, so it depends. If I'm walking to the car, you're a jacket. I, I'm a jacket. Okay. I'm a jacket. I don't I don't bring the umbrella out unless I'm going to be out for in a, a prolonged That's period fair. of time. How That's about fair. you? Uh, typically, I'm a rain jacket person, but this is going to shock you, given my pillowcase story from from last week. Um, I don't know where my rain jacket went the last couple of months. And so this didn't really matter much until about two weeks ago when You've it started problems. raining. But I, I, I left my rain jacket somewhere, probably here or or maybe in my car, um, and it and it disappeared. Maybe so when I need you to find go, the rain jacket, maybe you find, find the pillowcase. Pillow I need to go find it, or, or I just go find a new rain jacket. So you, you never got so to I've, the bottom of that? No, I still haven't found my pillowcase. Have you given up and just bought yeah. a new one? You did. No, okay. I didn't buy a new one. I found a new one that was that was okay. close to the same color as my other one. So it doesn't and match. It just, it, it's not perfect. It gets the job it's done. It's not perfect, but it's close. All right. Um, we're going to kick off the show today. And again, phone lines open all of hour number one at 315-437-7644 uh, if you want to get involved. I want to start today with a, an article that came out yesterday. Uh, I saw it on ESPN.com, and I, I, I believe you saw it as well, Seth. Um, it was in regards to Carmelo Anthony. The title of the story was The Burnout of the Shooting Star, Carmelo Anthony. It's written by Baxter Holmes of ESPN.com. And it, it documents the reasons behind his release from the Houston Rockets last fall. And I, I think we all, you know, we can all guess some of the the reasons. Um, and I think we were guessing some of the reasons. There were questions about, you know, what was going on behind the scenes because on face value, um, again, he was he was doing his job. The, the Rockets were banged up at the time. He had a couple of games that he scored over twenty points. Um, you know, he was coming off the bench. He was he was being a good soldier at least publicly, and it it just seemed head scratching that after ten games, the Rockets just threw up their hands and said, "Enough is enough." You know, we can't do this. And this article, I thought, did a nice job documenting some of the reasons. Um, there were some quotes in here from unnamed Rocket sources, which I found very interesting. And it just sheds a little more light on the Carmelo Anthony situation and why he is not currently in the NBA. Because, again, I, I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I think, you know, you believe, I, I know I believe that he's a guy that, that can help someone 
right? I mean, someone in in the league. He's he's good enough to play. He's good enough to be on an NBA roster. He's good enough sure. to start anymore. No, we know that, and I think he knows that now. He was the last one to realize that he wasn't good enough to start anymore on a really good team. Um, can he still play? I, I think he absolutely can play. But this this article, I thought, did a really good job documenting why he is not one of the 450 players in the NBA right now. I thought it did too, um, and I, I certainly think he can help a team offensively. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. He is, he is and always has been somebody who can go get a basket whenever you need it. He's also typically been a pretty good rebounder. Right, going going back to even his, his year at Syracuse, he's been a pretty good rebounder. He averaged a double double when he was here, right? Twenty and ten. Right. I mean, he he was a good rebounder in college and and remained that for the majority of his NBA career. Uh, I would imagine that would get even better if if he ever folded and played the stretch four position and was maybe down near the basket a little bit more uh, on the defensive end. But regardless, I think that he's certainly somebody who can help an organization offensively. The thing that I thought was really interesting, and and Steve, I think this is something that you picked up on as well, was how much of the decision the Rockets made to get rid of him had absolutely nothing to do with his offensive ability. They looked at him and they said, you know what, there are problems. He he may not be the perfect fit in our system. He really likes that long two. He doesn't really like Mike D'Antoni. But we'll make it fit. We'll tr- we'll trust that those two can get over it, and we like Mike D'Antoni's system, and we'll we'll make this work. And it did work offensively. They needed a scorer. They got a scorer. They got somebody who can put the ball in the basket when Chris Paul and James Harden are not on the floor. Uh, the thing that they maybe didn't take into account fully was Carmelo Anthony on the defensive side. Everybody in the, in the league knew that Carmelo Anthony was not a good defensive player. Uh, certainly by the time he was 33 years old playing with uh, Oklahoma City, he was not a good uh, defensive player. I think that, and, and this piece kind of says it, the Rockets didn't realize how bad a defensive player he was. How, how unable he was to fit into specifically their defensive system, which requires you to switch on, on pick and rolls, to be able to stay in front of people, to guard people who are maybe smaller and faster than you. Um, and Carmelo Anthony at 34 just was not able to do that. I don't know that there was ever a time that Carmelo Anthony was great at doing that, but in 2018, he certainly wasn't very good at doing it. And it led to so many problems. I mean, looking at some of the numbers when he was was on the field, uh, on the court versus when he was off the court. Uh, Houston's defensive numbers were atrocious. Uh, you looking back to his the end of his time at the Jazz. Remember they they benched him for Jeremy Grant at the end of postseason games because he was so bad defensively. The Thunder, you're uh, yeah, sorry, the, the Thunder. Um, the series against the Jazz. Right. Um, they they benched him in favor of Jeremy Grant at the end of postseason games when he was with Oklahoma City. Um, he, you know, he he was not a good defensive player, and I think that maybe Houston kind of underestimated that when they made the move. Well, that that's certainly what the the article is is suggesting. And there was one source in this article that said if the Rockets had known just how badly uh, Mello was defensively that they wouldn't have even brought him to Houston. That this this thing never would have happened. He probably would have ended up in in Miami, which which might have been better for him. He might still be playing basketball if he went to Miami uh, opposed to Houston. I thought that was another interesting line where somebody yeah, said, "Yeah, probably would have been better off him. if." Yeah, the ten games ruined him. Um, and and it documents how you know Houston really likes to switch on pick and rolls, and that Mello just wasn't able to do that. And and one uh, front office source, this this was not a Rockets person, but a, a rival team said, and this is a quote about Mello: He can't defend, he can't close out, his feet are too slow, he gets blown by. 
How about how about this one? And and this again, this is something that's in the, in the piece. Uh, offensively, he did his job. You know, for the most part, he had he had a couple of bad games. His 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 last game was particularly bad, where where he went one, one for, for eleven. 11 yeah. uh, but you know, for example, two days earlier, he goes nine for twelve and scores twenty eight points in in a win against Brooklyn. Uh, however, and I'm, I'm reading this from Baxter Holmes's piece. Um, in the Rockets' first five losses, opponents shot fifty four percent when Melo was the closest defender. Yeah, that is staggering. That is unbelievable. Yeah, and that that goes back to this narrative that 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 was the reason. Um, and I think you and I both thought at the time there's got to be something more to it. There's got to be something more to it. Um, and again, this article does a nice job documenting all of the reasons surrounding what they call a perfect storm and why this ended after ten games. The fact that Chris Paul got suspended for two games, James Harden was banged up, the team was four and six. Uh, you know, Melo had some good games offensively, but he was a liability when he was on the court. And they said if it was anybody else, if his name wasn't Carmelo, he would have been sitting on the bench. But since his name was Carmelo, you can't just bench him because then it starts a media storm, and then there's you know a yep. fracture in the locker room, and then you're you're dealing with a headache. So rather than than deal with that whole chaos, they decided to rip off the bandaid, deal with the chaos. Of well, they initially put him, you know, on the bench and said he was dealing with an illness and he missed three games. But then, you know, the rumors started to surface that something more was going on. They rip off the band aid. They say, you know, all right, he, he's not going to play for us right now. Hey, we're and looking they, to move him. And we're... they tried to get the firestorm over with, opposed to this prolonged thing. When Mel, you know, when's Melo going to play? Or if you lose a game, how come Melo didn't get a shot? Or you know, so yeah. on and so forth. I thought um, I yeah. thought that was a really interesting idea. And there were two quotes that that I thought were interesting, uh, both from anonymous team sources. One said, "Because his name was Carmelo, we treated him differently," which is is what you're alluding to. You you don't want to. Um, you don't necessarily want to make him sit on the bench for for um, all that time because it, it just raises questions. Um, and the other one was a source close to to Mello saying his name is a blessing and a curse, and right now it's more of a curse. Um, that was really interesting to me. And, and Baxter Holmes talked about this on a podcast with, with Zach Lowe that was released yesterday along with the article and basically said um, – yeah, like if if you have Mello, you know the impression he got the, that if you have Mello on your team, and Steve, like you said, he's not playing or he's playing bench minutes or he's not playing a lot of minutes off the bench, um, he's going to be a story and a question and a hot button point every night. You know, it's it's not somebody who is going to quietly end up as as a bench player. He's he's not somebody who like Vince Carter transitioned into role player and is now just one of fifteen guys. You know, Carmelo Anthony. Because he's got that name, um, is still at a certain level. Is still at you know a, a star level. And if if you're a team, we talk about how how often do we talk about this with other players and and with other situations? Is the player worth the distraction? And and I don't know that distraction is the fair thing to say about Carmelo Anthony, but that's ultimately what it becomes. If if you well, lose the a game, debate the Rockets were having, right? If you lose a game by five points and and Carmelo Anthony only got seven minutes and four shots, are you you know what are, what are the questions going to be after the game? Hey, you've got a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame sitting on your bench who's who's a proven scorer. Couldn't you have used him a little bit more? So I I you know I I'd imagine that has to play into why he's not on a team right now. I also found it interesting uh, in this article about um, 
when he was with the Knicks, and you know they go back to that successful season that he had with the Knicks in, in 2012-2013 when he was, you know, let's face it, he was an MVP candidate. Uh, you know, led the the NBA in scoring that year, averaging almost 29 points per season. game. That was his best season as a pro. Um, and and they they go back and and they say, listen, you know, Melo just had it in his mind all along that he was a small forward in the NBA, and and James Dolan had it in his mind all along that that Carmelo Anthony was a small forward in the NBA, and a lot of people from the outside looking in, and and even within the organization, felt like he would be better served to be a stretch forward, play power forward, uh, and and be able to shoot the ball from the outside, and and that was his strength, and obviously not a great defender, but he's guarding guys who are theoretically slower. He had the muscle to bang with them, and and it it felt like that was his best position in the NBA, that, that when he played power forward as a stretch forward, that he, w- he was better su- suited for that, better served for that. And he wasn't a great passer, but he can make plays out of the post. Right, right. And, you know, that particular year, that particular year, Amari Stoudemire gets hurt. What happens? Melo takes on the role of a, of a, a position change. He plays the stretch four. He plays it so well that he's an MVP candidate, leads the NBA in scoring. And then Stoudemire comes back, and then they say, you know what? Go back to playing the three. And, because Melo and James Dolan right. both wanted Carmelo Anthony and, to go and play again, the three. In hindsight, that looks like that that was a a major mistake, um, because you know now it's he's selfish and he just plays isolation basketball and the ball stops with him and you know he thrived as the four and then he went back to the three things didn't go well um, you know he he gets out of that situation goes to Oklahoma City and and things spiral out of control to the point where you know he's he's out of the league right now. Um, so so what happens from here? And that, that's the million-dollar question. I think we all expected him to sign somewhere at some point last year. It did not happen. He got traded to the Bulls and released right away. I think we all assumed in the offseason that he would get signed by someone, namely the Lakers, felt like a likely destination with LeBron being there, um, and, and, and that team going through a little bit of transition and looking for some veteran leadership. That did not happen. You know, we went through the summer and, and free agency, and then we went through training camp, and and here we are, season starting, and, and he's not on a team. So what happens? It, it, has he played his final game? Has he played his final minute in an NBA uniform, in your opinion? I think so. I think so. I, I thought last year he would end up somewhere he didn't. Um, I thought this summer that there was a not as good a chance as there was during the season last year that he would end up somewhere, and he didn't. Um, and at, at this point, it's hard to see that he's going to end up somewhere. He's been out there for so long, right? It's It's been 11 months that he's been available, right? Because even even when he was on Houston, his, his representatives and, and Houston were, were out actively saying, anybody who wants him, come and get him. And we don't need anything back. We just, you know, any, just come and get him. Whoever wants him, come get Carmen Anthony. And they couldn't find anything for months until the Chicago Bulls were willing to take him and then release him. And then even when it was just, hey, just sign a prorated minimum contract, nothing. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to play again. I don't think he's going to latch on somewhere else. Uh, the, you know, that article... Uh, look, not that people in the NBA are surprised by what's in that article, but that article kind of lays out why he's not in uh, a camp right now. He's not good enough defensively. The offense no longer outweighs the defense, and and you know some of some of the other things. Look, if if he doesn't want to play a certain position, I know that was talking about five six years ago, but. Go back two years, and when he laughed about coming yeah, off the bench, sure. uh, go go look at him as a name, and you know if if that's going to cause a distraction. 
There are plenty of reasons not to sign Carmelo Anthony right now, and I think that if a team hasn't done that after 11 months, they're probably not going to do it now. He's only 35 years old. It's amazing. And to me, and I hear everything you're saying, and my head agrees with everything that you're saying, I just, my gut says that he can't go out like that. Like, I feel like he's, I feel like he's going to pop up somewhere in some uniform and he's going to play another NBA game. And I don't know where that is or, or when that time comes, but my gut says he's not going out like that. I, I guess he will if he has to. Um, you know, obviously, if there are no takers, he has no choice. But you know, could you see him trying to go overseas? I, I don't know if if uh, his pride would allow him to that. do that because you know the article suggests maybe he'll play in the you know the big three, the three on three, you know that they have, or potentially go over and you know play in China. Um, I just I don't. I don't see him swallowing his pride and doing that. I don't either. Could I see him playing, you know, late in the year somewhere just just, you know, it, it talks about how he wants a farewell tour and that, you know, Dwayne Wade got one and Kobe got one and LeBron's going to get one and 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 for Melo it was just we don't need you anymore and and then that's it. So, I don't know. The Doesn't, fact that he's only 35, I feel like at some point someone is going to allow him to suit up in their I, uniform. I thought the farewell tour thing was was interesting. Um, I, I'm curious what you think because, look, Kobe Bryant stayed his entire career in one place, and, and Dwayne Wade might as well have. He, he played, what, one season not in Miami, uh, two seasons not in Miami, and and was revered down there. LeBron has bounced around, but at the same time, his impact LeBron. his impact on the game. It's like and, MJ. And yeah, I mean he's he's one of the two best players of all time. If if you're still having that debate, and and he's top two at the very worst. So he's clearly going to get some love and some and some accolades and, and some adulation when he retires. And who knows where he's playing, by the way, when that happens. He he might bounce around some more. He might see his son playing on some random team and and go sign with Milwaukee. Like who who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so. So he's but he's clearly going to get something when it's time for LeBron James to retire. Um I never thought of Melo in that same way. Did you uh, Carmelo was you know uh he he bounced a little bit. He he didn't have the same level of on-court success. I never looked at him as somebody who was like uh a beloved figure. Necessarily, he's somebody who who didn't have very great endings with either the Rockets or the Knicks. He didn't, didn't have great, great endings anywhere. Didn't have great tenure. Uh, well, I wasn't going to say didn't have great endings in Oklahoma City or Houston because he just didn't overall have a very good I mean, tenure in, Denver, in either place. Said, no, no, no. That's what I said. Oh, with, with the Nuggets or okay, the Knicks, it, right. it didn't end well. And then with with the Thunder and the Rockets, it, it just didn't go well right. from the jump. I heard so I, I heard Knicks, and I but yes, I mean, but like, it didn't I, go well I, in Denver. Didn't go well yeah. in New York. Didn't go well in Oklahoma City. Didn't I don't go well see in him Houston. as I don't see him as somebody even if he announced before he retired. Uh, hey, this is going to be my last year. I don't necessarily see him as somebody the NBA would rally around and and be and be like, yeah, we got to do this. I I need my mellow jersey, you know. And when he comes to my town, I, I I don't see that. Whether it's fair or unfair, I think the perception of Carmelo Anthony around the country is that he got his money and he got his shots. Right? He got his shots up. He scored his points. He got his money. He never won in the NBA. Um, you know, the fact that, that he, he stayed in that situation in New York as long as he did kind of indicated that 
money was more important to him or you know living there was more important to him than than winning a championship and again who are we to to judge what's important to a to another man i mean it's it's up to him what he prioritizes but i i think again right or wrong fair or unfair i think that's the perception of him league wide and and, and among fan bases too is that he got his shots up he scored his points he got his money um so to your point, yeah, I don't know as if he's beloved. You know, you look at Dirk Nowitzki got the the uh, yeah, that's another the farewell example. tour. Spent you know his, his entire his career, career one place. with one with one organization. Vince, and Vince Carter might to some extent. Like I don't I don't think it'll be the same as as what Wade and Dirk. No, did, but the, the but trading Vince, of jerseys before the game. Yeah. I mean, that's what they talk about in the in the in the article. I, I could see that happening with with Melo in that he is. He is on that level. Like he, he's on, he's in the conversation with the Dirks and D Wades in terms of first ballot Hall of Famer sure. and accomplishments, other than you know, other than winning rings. Um, but to, to your point, you know, is he is he beloved? Like he's certainly not beloved like Dirk is or LeBron or D Wade or Kobe, so on and so forth. But he's he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's got the accomplishments to match. Well, he's got the resume other got, than the he's titles. He's got the resume to be in the same he's group the as those guys. The stats. He's got Right, he's got he's the stats, stats and the numbers and the resume to be in the same room as those guys, but it's it's a different feeling around him than those guys. All right, let's open it up uh, to the phone lines. 315-437-7644. Has Carmelo Anthony played his last game in the NBA? We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. All right, we've got our good friend Steve Andrus from Radio.com Sports set to join us in about 10 minutes from now. Uh, We bring back our producer, Tommy Hogan, uh, for today's business, which we did not get to uh, earlier in the show. So what what do you have for us, uh, Tommy, with today's business? First of all, I just wanted to let you guys know you guys found my trigger. If you if you couldn't if you couldn't tell, apparently, and unfortunately, I feel like we found multiple. I had nothing no, to do with this, 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 this is the big one. Okay, this is the one. And unfortunately, of all the topics, this yep. is the one that bothers you the most. Yep, Carmelo Anthony's my guy. Why? He's my favorite athlete. Like you said, you can Steve, like him and understand what right, happened. But I don't like I don't like talk. He did so much for this city, and he changed my family. He changed how I grew up. And had such an impact on how I grew up as a kid. I, I don't like talking about him in a negative manner at all because it just it meant too much to me. Okay. And uh, unfortunately for me, my friends have also found out that that is the trigger for me. Oh no! Yeah, not great. Oh no! Not good. So of all saw, the things, yeah. it just surprises me that that's we what all have sets you up. Yeah, we all have right. hey, Carmelo right. Anthony that, is true. my thing. You were like six when when that game happened. I I met Carmelo Anthony that year. Actually, I'll show. I, I'm going to show you guys a picture. I still, it still impacted me, even though I was six, like you said. I'm showing Steve a picture of me and Carmelo Anthony. Oh, here. that's very cool. We're, yeah. So this was uh, this was right by the dome. Right Did outside you wait, the dome. Wait for him after a game. I waited before a practice. Actually, I was there and had Tommy. the whole 2003 national championship team autographed on a basketball. The basketball is like as big as you are. Oh yeah, I mean, I remember <laughs> it was freezing. My knees are hitting against each other because I'm cold and, and just nervous, nervous and scared. Uh, the story from actually meeting Carmelo, he has, if you guys saw, a bag of Burger King in one hand, and he actually has one of those Bluetooth, remember the cord Bluetooth headphones yeah. that were getting into style then? 
he had to tell the person he was on the phone with that he had to take a picture real quick and to, and to stop. So he held up his Sorry, conversation. There's, there's this annoying to, kid here that <laughs> I've got to take Tommy a picture Hogan. He won't leave me alone until I take a picture. As he drives by <laughs> stadium control, my mom's yelling at Carmelo Anthony, come here, Carmelo, come here, Carmelo, trying to get him. Because we all know that was the guy we had to see. Sure. And they went on to win the national championship. Yeah. So that's, so that's very cool. I'm, I'm going to throw a hypothetical out here. It, okay. It, and I know this happened in, in a way when we had Dwight Freeney on. If by some chance we were to have Carmelo Anthony on the show, and and like the, in all reality, it's not happening. Would you like be able to answer the phone? Would you Would you do all right? Just picking up and being like, "Hi, Carmelo, it's Tommy from ESPN Syracuse. Are you ready to go on with Steve and Seth? Like, would you be okay doing that?" My dr- my stomach just dropped hearing that hypothetical. I I would. Make myself do starstruck. It. Oh, My no. knees would be clobbering at the desk as I was answering. Would the you phone call, call him Carmelo him. or Mr. Anthony? Uh, maybe def- definitely not Mr. Anthony. Either Carmelo or maybe even Mello, because it would okay. sound cool to be able to call Carmelo Anthony Mello. Okay. That'd be awesome. Have you guys had we- the opp- have you had the opportunity? No, Steve, I have you not. Had the opportunity Steve to probably talk to did. Oh, I've I've interviewed him a bunch. Sick um, Greg. You're bragging a lot this week. I'm not bragging. Aaron you Judge, asked me a question. Carolina, I know, but that's I set his you job. Up I mean, He's I certainly interviewed to. him when he was yeah, here. Yeah, you said it. Oh, but I had the opportunity to talk to him. Well, when he like was, it was here, nothing. When I was when he was here, I interviewed him all the time. Right. Since he's left, I've interviewed him a few times. Um, once when he came back and and they refurbished the the basketball court near the university, I did a live hit with him that night. Um, you know, I've and we've been to a few games. And when he, I'm when, sure when, when his could. number was retired, he yeah, did some stuff, right? Um, but uh, yes, I I interviewed him when he was with the Knicks. I forget why we were down there. Did was he like have a we, preseason game? We coupled it with yep. yeah, yeah, that's true. I yes, but we went too. we went to an actual game. Oh. I went, and it had something to do with like SU was in town playing, and we. I, I don't remember the pinstripe exact ball? circumstances, but what's that? Could it have been the pinstripe ball? Maybe. I don't know. All the There's years like we're on the basketball team and they're down there playing MSG. You caught me off guard, so I'm going to have to think about when that was. But yeah, I've interviewed him a few times. Do you have Carmelo Anthony's phone number in your phone? I do not. Okay. All right, fine. Can't, I can't help you there. You can't brag I about that one? I wouldn't give it to you anyway. No? Really? <laughs> I don't know what you would do with it. Like 1 a.m. or something when you're out with your friends? I would just put it in my phone and just give it a promise. I would just put it in my phone to be able to say I have Carmelo Anthony's phone number. You can trust me. How dare you? Whoa. I'm insulted by that. You think I'm going to get nervous. call up Carmelo Anthony at 1 a.m.? I, I don't how know. How dare you, I didn't Steve. know how you felt about him. I always I always get uncomfortable when people ask me for phone numbers. Always. I, it doesn't matter who it is. I'm just like, uh, am I supposed to? I don't know. You just I want to retrace back I to always you. think to myself, could they get this number from someone else? If sure. the answer is yes, I feel better about then you're it. Okay if with it's it? if it's like one of those that like they're coming to me because like I might be the only person who has it or then I'm a little more I was coming to you because it. I think you're yeah. the only person I'd be guarded have. with that. I'm surprised you don't do you do you take are you insulted that you don't have Carmelo Anthony's no. phone number? No. I could tell you one in the break. You I'll, have you, I'll, ha- you I, have it? No, 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 oh, okay. no, no, no. I can okay. tell you a story like this in the break. Okay, fair enough. All right, we'll move on. Yankee baseball tonight, game four. It's a um, must win. It is a must win. I agree. I'm one of those guys that is, uh, if it's not mathematically a must win, it's not a must win. But in this situation, yeah, me too. I, I'm going to break the rule I'm here. This that. is a must win. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not usually a lineup guy either, but the lineup means something in my opinion tonight when it comes out. I have my Yankee notifications on on Twitter for when they tweet it out. I think the lineup is a huge factor in tonight's game. I want to hear what you guys would like to see either changes or even just maneuvers if there's someone coming in. What lineup do you want to see put out by Aaron Boone tonight? I think most importantly, it's got to go DJ LeMayhew, Aaron Judge, Glaber Torres. Um, I, I think that is the most important thing. 
They I would were back consider, in the three hole. Yep, I would consider moving Aaron Hicks up in the lineup because he had really good at bats the other night I against agree. Garrett Cole. I'd consider uh, I'd consider playing Giancarlo Stanton in some way, shape, or form. Whether that means putting him in for Edwin Encarnacion, putting him in and having Encarnacion play the field, uh, uh, some way, shape, or form, I'm get I'm I'm considering putting Giancarlo back uh, in the lineup as well. Uh, you've got to do something because there are a lot of guys on this team who are not hitting uh, and are and are doing not a lot for you. So you, you've got to find a way to get something out of them. I'll say this, and, and this is not a cop-out. This is truly how I feel. The, the key to tonight, in my opinion, is that Tanaka is Tanaka. Because you look at it, the stats he's put up Playoff in the Tanaka. postseason. Playoff Tanaka, Thank right. The, the stats he's put up in the postseason. Um, he is third all-time in terms of ERA in the postseason for, for pitchers who have pitched at least uh, 40 innings uh, in, in postseason in their career. That's a significant sample size. The first pitcher all-time in his first seven postseason starts to only give up two or less runs in every start. If they get playoff Tanaka, they're winning this game. Because even though the offense has struggled, and again, you expect it to struggle against Verlander and Cole, they're going to score a couple of runs, you would think, uh, against Greinke. Um, at home, in this spot, sense of urgency. So if if they get one of these playoff performances from Tanaka where he gives up a run or two, you got to uh, win. They're winning the game, and and the series is tied two two. And and you've got to win this one. You know that you you started this off, Tommy, by saying it's a must win. You've got to win this one because it's already going to be hard enough knowing that you've got to win this. You've got to win that bullpen day that's coming up at some point. And oh by the way, you then have to beat either Verlander or Cole. Now you had two pretty good opportunities to beat. Each of Both them. them, right? You, you had a good opportunity to beat each of them. One in Houston, one in New York. Uh, you've got to find a way to win tonight because if you don't win tonight, then all of a sudden you've got to beat Verlander and Cole, and also win a third game in three back-to-back days. If you That's win tonight, really the tough. series is over. In my opinion, the series is over if they don't win tonight. Steve, I agree with you on the Tanaka, but I think that's almost. I don't want to say foregone conclusion, but that's something you can kind of take a step back and depend on. You can count on it. But I think that 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 lessens the importance of the lineup because if you get if you get playoff Tanaka, I think you're winning right. the They've game. They've gotten good pitching all series though. Like offense eh. is the pri- pretty good pitch. Eh. I, mean, I mean, Luis Severino, he looked bad in the first inning. He only ended up giving up two I know, two runs I know, in but, four and five but, innings, and, and, whatever it was. And you know that I'm all on board with the bullpen and and bullpenning and all that stuff. Uh, this situation, now that you had the rain out and you play four days in a row, is why at some point it would be nice to get length out of your starters. So you say you've gotten good pitching this postseason, and you're like technically speaking, you're not wrong, right? You you aren't because they've gotten the uh, Severino was was not good, but he wasn't like dreadful. That final stat he, line, you'll take it. Yeah, uh, he he kept them in the game while he was in. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, he, he, even uh, Paxton wasn't good, but again. Uh, That's you, the one start you, that was probably bad. Two and a right, third innings, right. one it, run. It was too short. Right. And you match it up with the bullpen, and the pitching that game did their job. But at some point, you need to get longer outings out of your starters because you can't you know, you can't go, especially now, you can't go to them four days in a row and expect all of these relievers to pitch well four days in a row. It's just not going to happen. Fine, but I really want to get back to this lineup because Seth mentioned it. Glaber Torres back in the three-hole. I agree with, but I also agreed with why he moved back down to the five spot. And I think Aaron Boone's reasoning, and he hasn't come out and said it, but I think the best reasoning for it was Ellen Encarnacion is struggling. We're going to put our best hitter behind him, so then they end up throwing Edwin Strikes, who can do a lot of damage and has proven throughout his career he can do a lot of damage. 
But you have to get Glaber back in that three spot. He was too good in the in the, the two yeah, games he was up there. That's a bad reason to me because I I look at lineup construction totally differently than that. I look at lineup construction as get your best hitters the furthest up the order that you possibly can. Okay. Because, more opportunities. because simply put, yeah. the guys who bat at the top of the order bat more often. Sure. Right. Uh, you know, uh, if if everybody finishes with three at-bats, but maybe the top three or four hitters finish with four, those guys are going to hit more. So if you've got four guys who are hitting in a lineup, bat them one, two, three, and four. And and when you're in a playoff series and you need to score runs, bunch them all together. Because, Tommy, how, how many times the other night did DJ LeMahieu and, and Aaron Judge get on only to have two back-to-back outs right behind them in Gardner and, and, and Edwin? It happened multiple times. So you and they killed with two outs a lot, though, too, which is what hurt them. Because they would get they they hit pretty the well. Two of them, the two of them got on base. Yes, and, only but to it was only with people, two outs. Right, only to have then that Gardner next guy it, yes. behind them get out. So right. they've got to find a way to... Other, real quick, I know, real I know quick, we're to run, yeah. Giancarlo Stanton is the other guy that he mentioned. We ha- the Yankees have to get Giancarlo Stanton in the lineup, and I think the only way they're getting him in the lineup is at DH. He can't play in the outfield anymore. He doesn't have the legs underneath him to play in the outfield and trust him in a big left field at Yankee Stadium. And the only way you're getting him in is DH. But also Edwin Carnacion, that last at-bat, had a double. And he, you, he has proven that he can do damage. Who are you taking out, Steve? We mentioned it when Aaron Hicks came back on the roster. Do you take out Gio Urshela to put Giancarlo Stanton in the lineup, th- or do you just deal with him being a pinch hitter? Because I think that's your two options right now. Yeah, I mean, I think probably, you know, after you laid it out, and, and I, I don't think you're wrong, um, yeah, I think you would take Urshela out. I think that's... I think you have to. I think, and, I think you have to, yeah. And drop down, I know that the defense, infield defense, which has been a strength throughout the entire playoffs for the Yankees, I think you have to just make the offense the priority in this series, and... and be okay with Edwin Encarnacion playing first base. Must win, and I'm with you that I I only I, I generally only say it's a must win if it's actually mathematically a must win. But I feel like tonight is a must win. Yankees lose this game, I think the series is over. We got to run. Steve Andrus from Radio.com Sports Steve. joins us next.